It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. We use it and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. You nailed that line, Kratzy. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. AJ, what else? With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. That's true. And ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we've been connecting with fans more with polls and instant feedback. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. FT Live on a Wednesday. And I just want to let everyone know that we are streaming every single day on YouTube if you're listening on the podcast, for example, for free. It's been a lot of texts going out there. Hey, here's the show. And they're like, oh, how much is it? I'm like, no, subscribe is free. Yeah, but normally subscribe means you have to pay. Like if I subscribe to a newspaper or subscribe to a magazine, you get the month free and then you got to pay like and they secretly charge you like even though it says you're not charged and they secretly renew your credit card all but this is not like that. No, not nothing we're doing costs money well, for the people. Well, you eating all the food and staying in my house costs me money. But, okay. <laughs> but you're on the show. For the fans, <laughs> Kratzy, YouTube, Twitch, Apple, Spotify, the whole thing. I said the other day, I'm like I'm not going to do the shameless plugs, but I feel like I have to for everyone because it's free 99 no matter where you're looking for it. It's confusing. I, the subscribe. I think. I think we're. I think AJ's a trendsetter. I think you're a trendsetter. I just follow the trends. We got to come up with a new word for YouTube and subscribe. <laughs> What's like, your word? Well, I don't know. I mean, my follow uncreative mind follow. is thinking: no. join, join, or welcome aboard. I don't know. I don't know. Like boarding, something that's not because you can't use follow. Follows for other stuff. Yes. How about? free something free in it so people know that it's free i feel like that always plays subscribe for free <laughs> free scribe <laughs> something like that yeah, free too scribe. many words too many words yeah all right well we're monday through friday during spring training uh, 11 o'clock eastern time in the morning and if you go back 12 hours aj Przinski was awake yes breaking news i look on my phone when the world baseball classic gets underway 
and Kratzy, AJ's like, I'm up. Let's go. <laughs> what happened? Did you have a surprise. late night last yeah, night? Yeah, what happened? Surprise, surprise. Uh, I did. Now I'm, I'm feeling it. As Kratz said on Twitter, I'm going to be grumpier than normal today. Uh, <laughs> honestly, you know what happened was I went to dinner last night with some friends that were in town. And I got home at like 1030. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to stay up and watch at least the beginning of Cuba and Netherlands. Also, I just wanted to prove a point to you two that I'm not as old and as tired as you guys think I am. So I, <laughs> I just did that more as a point prover. And uh, it was I watched the first, what, three innings? And then I, I was lights out. They had highlights in the morning. So, um, But I'm proud of you. And we'll get to WBC in just a sec. Also, Corbin Burns joining the show today in about 20 minutes. The uh, Milwaukee Brewers ace, Mr. Cy Young from a couple years ago. And Mandy Bell joining us with all things Cleveland Guardians. And happy International Women's Day. Shout out to all the amazing women in our lives in the world that um, make the world go round. Yeah, I couldn't do it without the women in my life. No. For sure. I know Wife, that. wife mom, yes. daughter sometimes, although, you know. She's challenging at times. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. 17-year-old teenage girls are a little challenging. But Can't live without her, though. No, of course not. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to miss her when she leaves. But, uh, yeah, thank you for all the help and everything that every woman every woman in my life and, and you know has done for me and helped me along the way. So thank you and have a great day. Yes, same here. Fam, mom, sisters, girlfriend, slash set designer, did an amazing job. Um, all of those behind the scenes working with us as well. Uh, Claudia, Gab, et cetera. Um, Kratzy, you go. Well, I mean, yesterday my buddy said, he goes, well, isn't every day International Women's Day? And I said, and my son was there and he's like, dad, what do you think about that? Kind of trying to be a fire starter and get me in trouble or something. And I, <laughs> it, was, it was a solid like teaching moment. I said, look, if the women in your life aren't the most important thing in your life, like you, you're around the wrong women. Like, your daughter, my daughter, my wife, my mom, like I can argue with all of them. Absolutely. But if they're not the most important thing in your life, like, man, you're, you're grinding. And I I'm, I'm super thankful. Like I even have an awesome mother-in-law, like a lot of guys don't have that. So, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said and I appreciate everything that they do and all that they're about. Well wait, said. Wait, Kratz, how, how far away from you does your mother-in-law live? How far away from me? What does your mother-in-law live? Uh, now four yeah. hours, but we used oh. to live together for five years. Oh, my mother-in-law lives a mile down the street. She's great. But there are times where I'm like, Hey, <laughs> Mimi, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's take a step back. <laughs> she, she, she does a lot of great things with my, my kids and my mom's farther away, but my mother-in-law will just pop in because she has a, my, my lab is I bought her lab is the sister of my dog. Mm -hmm. So, uh, she comes over and has play dates with them all the time, but there are times where it's like, She'll, she helps out, but there are times where I'm like, okay, Miles is a little too close. Yeah, but that's for all fam and in-laws and all of that. You get the pros and the cons. Like, true, you want true. Them close she's by more, for the she's help. more pro than con. Let me and, say that. And, Definitely and more support? pros than cons. Yes, exactly. You can't, you have, you have to. I am not a big fan, and maybe this is like the one new school thing I do. You can't just pop into somebody's house and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like looking in the window, <laughs> like, hey. Hey, uh, I'm knocking. Like, at least send a text. Hey, I just got in the car. I'm on the way. But yeah, but see, when she's a mile away, she sends that text, and she's like three minutes away. So 
Hey, it's it's like a hey, I'm at the front door as the doorbell rings, you know. Yeah, but you got a gate. You got a you yeah, got cameras. A clicker, I'm sure at the she gate. has a clicker to the gate. You know, she can get through the gate without. It's you know, it's. I have a clicker too, so I'm dangerous. Yes, also true. <laughs> also true. <laughs> you... Hey, uh, on the topic of danger, our boy Todd Frazier is back with us next week because he's just exhausted from his two days of work last week. He took a vacation. Um, he followed up on your Twitter beef. Uh, Kratzy, where you were getting after it with with the crowd, with the world, all those nice people on Twitter saying it would have been nice if O'Neill Cruz, you know, ran out a ball that was uh, hanging around for 10, 12 seconds and he only pulled up with a single. And Frage goes, you're right. By all accounts, should have been on second base. He's active this morning. So he's got your back. That's that's what I need. I, I really it matters to me what the ex players say. And I love the fact that A.J., Sided with the Twitter, the Twitter hounds. Did he? I, I did not. No, I he, he was on your, did not. I was he on, was your, on side. your side. Yeah. He yeah, said, that... he said, and I quote, well, yeah, you shouldn't talk. You have a minus no, 0.1 ERN. No. <laughs> I mean, more, I did say that, ERA. but it didn't have anything to do with that. It was just funny. <laughs> it was just funny that you're, you knew your war and, and the fact that it negative because you were a pitcher and gave up a home run. No, that's, I mean, like, like what Todd said is, is really what, you know, even guys that were texting me about it when it was happening, they were like, dude, this is unbelievable. Like they're losing their minds over something that's, that's not it. Well, let's give them something they love, which is becoming a big deal. You got a a reply from who was it yesterday? Omaha. So Kratz hats continues every single day. How many days can we go with a different hat from Eric Kratz? So first, a shout out to a minor leaguer who did well yesterday. Andy Rodriguez, uh, Pirates prospect, RBI double in a ball game yesterday. Just wanted to point him out because Henry Davis, former first overall pick. But they have another catching prospect in Rodriguez who might be just as good, which is which is a scary thing. So it's like friendly competition there, but also two catchers, not a bad problem. Uh, Kratzy, what are you wearing today? Today... This is probably where I spent most of my time, and I found a hat, actually, with the sticker on it for AJ, since we're going to have a little talk about the sticker, <laughs> so it shows how many times I've, I've used this hat, but the, uh, can anybody, anybody know what this is? If you've lived in, in the New England area, it's like do we- you have any clue what that is? It's is it not like the, the team. The New England Weasels? I mean, what, what is that? Well, it's like a weasel. It's an angry, like, it's like a mix between like a wolverine and a weasel. It's a fisher cat. The New Hampshire fisher cats. That looks like a pissed off beaver to me. They are, a- they are angry. Look up a fisher cat and you'll be like, I don't need, I don't, I don't need to mess with those. Just like Wait. I didn't want to have any extra time in New Hampshire more than I spent already. I spent parts of like five seasons there. So you're going to see a bunch of different colors of these hats mixing through. But yeah, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. The only story, because I'm going to have a ton of them from there, is we were playing in Bowie, Maryland one time, and a fan comes up, and obviously our road jerseys didn't say Fisher Cats on them. It says New Hampshire. And this guy from Bowie comes up, and he looks at our jersey. He goes, New Hampshire. What state is that in? (laughs) Well, what? I don't know. What state is it in? New Hampshire? <laughs> Did you answer him? Please tell me you gave him an answer. Yeah, no, a Kratz, a Kratz oh, sarcastic oh, answer. That's a layup for yeah, you, dude. Come on. Come no. on. Ismael Ramirez, prospect with the Blue Jays at the time, goes, he looks up at him and he goes, 
come on, Poppy, are you serious? And then we all went out and stretched. <laughs> New Hampshire. I love that. Hey, uh, let me do a little geography for you. Military base of the day with the Netherlands picking up their first dub in the WBC. Hello to everyone at Shinin Army Base in the Netherlands. Co-base means Americans run the base, but um, has to follow Dutch laws and regulations, which I'm learning something new about that every day. So shout out to everyone out there. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for your service. And I'm told before we talk about the Netherlands and their win in the WBC opener, we have a special message from Mr. Todd Frazier. Boys just thinking about bottoms up. Right, mm. And it's beautiful island. Let's go. Miss you guys. Foul territory. Let's go. <laughs> couple, couple things before we dig really deep into that video. First of all, the shades, right? The Under Armour. Like, we can't get like some. You know, Mountain Jims, Ray Ban, some Costa Del Mars. He's still using those free ones from when he played. Come on, Frage. Game, game, game sunglasses. Yeah, gamers. And, and then second of all, the tan, like the tan, like the, the, the tan and the tank top. I mean, that's Jersey that right says there. Jersey tourist. If I, I mean, I'm Jersey, it. so that's Jersey right there. I, I love mean, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Frage clean. And then a Kalik light. You can't even get like the regular Kalik. Like he's going Kalik light in the Bahamas. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's, he's screaming Jersey. For and me. you know what it says to me, Kratzy, is that's why he did reply to your tweet and say, I'm on your side with O'Neill Cruz because, you know, he's chilling on the beach, uh, taking a few back. Yeah, but I mean, he's let's let's get a little bit more private, too. I mean, my guy, he's got 10 years in the show. Like, let's get a little more private. Look pretty like pretty corporate there. I know he, <laughs> he wants a place for the kids. I didn't see no kids running around, so they must be at the daycare. No, he's at Bahama, right? <laughs> I don't know I where he is. Do we want to let everyone know where he is? Crouchy, so. Oh, so the kids are just in the, the... kids are at the water park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks beautiful. We had baseball practice outside yesterday here, and it was just as sunny, but I think the wind chill was like 28 degrees. Mm. It was frozen. Terrible. We're going indoors today. Hey, Todd, also they have cabanas at Baja Mar you can rent. They're not that expensive. So, uh, you know, you're always, you know, he's bragging about, you know, his big league spread. He's got like, <laughs> spend that money, get that cabana. You don't have to be on the public beach when you send the, the Instagram video. Yeah, but then his tan will be just as brutal. He'll come back <laughs> with no tan. The guy needs to be out in the sun. True. He'll be like, hey, get me that Baja Mar sponsorship. Let me get that free cabana. Hey, let's do uh, World Baseball Classic news. Happy opening day, WBC. Like we said, we're all awake for it to see the beginning at least. Um, Netherlands took down Cuba. It's a little bit of an upset. I'm pretty sure that that Cuba was favored in that one. Didi Gregorius brings in a run for Team Netherlands to start things off to tie up the game. And uh, they win it 4-2. So a few notes that I um, that stood out to me. Number one, we talked about him yesterday and he totally came through. Congrats to your boy, Roger Bernardina, 38 years old, two for three, plus a walk, scored a run, and he's last found in the big leagues in 2014 when he was 30 years old. Eight years out of the bigs, looking like he can keep up with everyone easily. Huge contributor. Running down balls in center field, too. Normally 38, you know, you're sticking to the slow positions. Roger, Bernardina's going to – he's that guy that you're going to go back for – you know, some kind of alumni game, some kind of like 2012 Phillies one month service time guys. And he's going to look the exact same. This guy is trendy. 
beyond belief, spends a lot of time in France. He's got, you know, he's got the whole Xander Bogarts kind of, you know, knows five languages, incredibly good looking, loves a martini. Like this guy's, you know, everyone else is drinking a beer when you go to the bar. This guy's got a nice triangle martini glass and he's just, <laughs> he's sipping it with a, with an ascot on. Rock the ascots. Probably doesn't anymore, but rocking them. So he's fancy. He's fancy. And he had a great game. And that he, he, you know, he kind of helped catalyst that team last night. Wait, hold, first, first of all, yeah, he did. But I don't know that – can you really say that Cuba is the favorite in that? Because the Netherlands are sneaky good every time this WBC, you know, rolls out there. They're, they're sneaky good. So there might be some names you maybe – but, I mean, name for name, I think other – you know, the pitching, we don't really know that much about Cuba. But, I mean, Bogarts, Profar, Scope. Didi Trump. made a great stretch on Didi a Bogarts play. Yeah, Didi at first. Play no. Bogarts made to end it. Now, listen. But wait, what are you trying – are you trying to say trying that their say names that keep think... up with others in the WBC? Because that's not true. What do you mean? There's like – I mean, Bogarts is a superstar. But I'm saying, like, there are at least four or five other teams that, that – sport like way I'm, I'm saying way for that roster for that that game I don't know that the Netherlands were that an underdog they might have I mean maybe but I'd say the Netherlands and Cuba pretty equally matched in your mind I feel and they beat them so yeah, yeah I think the Netherlands are better how about that for a take there was a two three four in the lineup of Jan Mankata Luis Robert Joanna Cespedes they did work three walks but they went one for nine I mean that's a pretty good trio there even though Cespedes has been out for a few years out of, out of baseball play last year very well no, so Roberts is stud. But Roberts is a, they're both Robert should is be a, studs. Should they be a superstar. Be but I, I don't. I just don't know that they're. I just don't think that because you just made it sound like oh Cuba should have killed them. No, no, no. I'm, I whoa, thought you were I, going like, down whoa, the lineup. Whoa, whoa, oh, Netherlands, whoa. their roster looks just as no, good as no, some no, of these other that, teams. But they're no. sneaky good, even with their. their and you got Burt Blylevin as their pitching coach, so they always figure it out pitching wise. But I feel like the Netherlands are one of those teams that are. are, are I'm not saying the Netherlands are going to win the whole thing, but they're sneaky good. They'll get out of full play probably. Yeah, Chadwick Trump, two-run single. And Kenley Jansen's going to join the team in the quarterfinals if they if they got there. So that Another helps. weapon. You heard of him before. Yeah, heard of him. Should be good. And I, th- I, think, I think it's a testament to Blylevin. Like, if you look at the pitching matchup, what was his name? Tom De... DeBlock? Tom DeBlock. Yeah, Tom DeBlock. Like, yeah. like, he's got good stuff, but Rodriguez from Cuba... He was running some nasty stuff up there. And it, and it shows that possibly, and, and that's what I'm interested to see because this is all about winning. Maybe the stuff doesn't necessarily win the games, huh? Maybe strikes and maybe attacking hitters a certain way. And and I don't know Bly Levin at all, but I'm sure he's bringing in some, you know, bringing in some good ideas for these pitchers on how to attack hitters. Well, also, it also shows the pitch count thing, right? Because Rodriguez, the guy for Cuba, he was like a setup guy, right? I believe in Japan where he pitches professionally. So, like, for him to start, and he threw three innings, I believe, but, like, he's not used to doing that. So, it's kind of a, a testament to how the roster can, are constructed and, and the pitching coaches have to be obviously flexible. But, yeah, sometimes it's not about, like, the big names that we're going to get into when we get into the USA team because – there's obviously some big names missing on the pitching side, but you know, can you manage it and can you run the pitchers the right way and put them in the right roles when they're in different roles? Rodriguez, four innings, three hits, a run, a walk, six strikeouts for Cuba. But um, after him, the next two pitchers gave up three runs. That was it. I mean, Cuba's going to have to slug. They're going to have to 
score some runs, but that that trio didn't get the job done in this one, and, and they could be out pretty quickly. Um, by the way, the other game that went down this morning and finished up, Panama took down Chinese Taipei 12-5. wasn't really close. There was a sick catch by Luis Castillo, but otherwise uh, that one not – I mean, plenty of run scoring, but that one not too dramatic. Oh, we got it? Dude, this is an unbelievable catch. Watch this catch. I mean, Crouchy. Oh! oh. And the, be- the guy, the center fielder's on the ground looking for the ball, and then he's like, wait, he's got it. What we Did didn't center show- fielder's glove get knocked off, too? I think everything got knocked off. His glove, his hat, everything. Boom! Everything went flying. Look, he looks for the ball, and it's in his, the guy's oh, – Castillo's like, it's in my glove. But what we didn't show is the, the, the hitter the, from Chinese Taipei ran all the way around the bases thinking it was inside the park home run. He even slid into home plate. The umpire's like, out. <laughs> Fans are going crazy. Like It was like, no, you're out, by the way. Carlos Gomez did that one time. I was catching, and he hit an absolute nuke foul homer and ran all the way around the bases and got the third base. And Eddie Cedar was like, hang on. It's a foul ball. And he was like, why did you guys – Why'd you guys do that? Why'd you guys embarrass me like that? So I'm I'm always good for like a full home run trot. So yeah, good this for that was, guy. This was a home run sprint though. Home run full well, sprint. Gomez always would sprint his home runs too. You know, he'd he'd walk around and hitting his head as he's going around. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That was a that was an unbelievable catch. And uh if you did I mean Panama hadn't scored a run in forever, but the atmosphere in Chinese and I don't know how to say it, Tai Chung. Chinese Taipei. Yeah, but no, the no, city. Tai Chung like, is oh, the, the city, Tai Chung. Tai yeah. Chung, right, yep. where they were playing. The the cheering and the chanting and the – So cool. It was unbelievable. It was, I mean, it was like a, a soccer game or yes. something because they just – they were down 12 to 2, and they're still got the cheerleaders and the guys on the dugout banging the drums and doing all kinds of – It's a party. The, dude, I love that the guys on the microphone during the game, though, saying like, I don't know, I don't know what he was saying because I don't speak Chinese. But he was, da, 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 da. and then the fans were, ah, it was awesome. It's like, uh, remember like N1 mixtape when you'd have like the MC kind of talking? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I like or it. You, or, or you know what it's like? It's like the Dominican. It's like Venezuela, yeah. like the Fuvenzolas. Like, and, and that's kind of my argument when people say, ah, oh, you know, the game's boring. It's boring. If you go to one of those games, it's not boring. So who's the one that's making it boring? You know, maybe if the fans got into it, I would love it if we sold some Fluvenzolas to, you know, at games. But you you constantly heard it. I had my game on surround sound over here in my at my TV, and it was like you just constantly heard that. Like, oh, could you handle good. that at a game? Yeah, heck yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I, Agreed. I think, whole, I think it's awesome, I and mean, there should be more of it in Major League Baseball. Like, I mean, the last WBC in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. When like Dominican plays Puerto Rico or Venezuela, the fans are nuts. Miami's going to be nuts. The fans are the show. Yeah. Right? Like, they are the show. A and band. They got everything. Yeah. Yes. They got dancers on the dugouts. They got bands. They got the, the, the horns, the trumpets. I they're mean, they standing. Got, they're drinking. Yeah. They're having a great time. It's it is. Awesome. It's a it's They got a the vibe. flags draped over their shoulders. And then you get the American fans, and they're sitting there going on their phone saying, well, what can I tweet about my game? Like, no, get into the game. No, you can do both. That's really True. the answer. Yeah. Hold up your phone and 
and have a good time. No, American fans last time when I was calling we're the games good. in Miami, they were good, but they were learning from yes. the international fans. That was what was great, too. They're like, oh, look at this. I want to join in on this. That's what, you know, like you, you go to a party, whatever the vibe's like, you're going to kind of mix in with that, right? I'm not going to your kind of party. No, I know that. That's <laughs> topic for another day. By the way, on your on your ask of, of the underdog um, lines, yes, Netherlands was an underdog. They were plus 160, as in throw down 100, win 160. That's like, they were a pretty number. solid underdog yeah. last you night. You should have told me that yesterday. I would have bet that yeah, one. Exactly. I might make you bet on the next one tonight. And uh, we're going to post some videos on social later, um, like later, later when those games start. So we'll get some picks for you and some thoughts on the WBC. So America is going to start their exhibitions. Um, they've got one at 9.05 Eastern time on Wednesday night against the San Francisco Giants. And uh, what are our thoughts on on Team USA and the pitching staff? Well, I, I think the pitching staff is good. There's some good – there's names on there. Uh, Lance Lynn, Miles Michaelis, you know, Kendall Graveman is a great setup guy. Bednar was awesome for the Pirates, but – Oh, I want the dudes, right? Like the, the other countries have the dudes. Like they're 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 best of the best that can do it. In the USA, there's no Verlander, there's no Scherzer, there's no Kershaw, there's no Shane Bieber, there's no I don't know. I'm trying to run off the top of my head, like probably the top ten American pitchers that you can think of. Corbin Burns, who we're going to have on later. Woodruff, uh, you know, where are these guys? Like, I, 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 that's the one thing that worries me about the. USA team, you look at their lineup and it's stacked. Like their their lineup is stacked, but can they pitch enough and can they mix and match? Can Andy Pettit, the pitching coach, mix and match enough to not only because the problem you have is not only do you got to win, try to win the games, you got to keep thirty major league teams happy, right? And get some guys innings that need innings. So that's going to be the challenge. Can they do both and make another run? Like, but and that's time? also for for you know, say Venezuela, um, Puerto Rico, but, Mexico. Dominican yeah. Republic, like they have plenty of big league pitchers where they're going to have calls from teams being like, do this, do that. I want him pitching this day for this many pitches. They, they're going to deal with that too. I just think more of a of a talent issue in general. Team USA's lineup is ridiculous and it's them or, or DR for best lineup. But pitching wise, you don't get a lot of the premier starters for Team USA to be there. Here's my thoughts. Kratzy, you've got the young guys who – most are not going to be involved in my mind until they get their big contract, right? Like you're under team control for a long ass time. You're a big starter. Last thing you want is to go down in the WBC. It's just the facts, right? They haven't gotten their big payday. Like we're talking to Burns later. Think I think Corbin Burns next time around, and I'll ask him about it, would probably love to be a part of the WBC. The other end of the spectrum is a guy like Scherzer, Verlander, we saw this with Kershaw and he couldn't get the insurance done with his, I'm assuming his back issue, but like Scherzer and Verlander. So they're up there in age, they sign massive deals and their teams are like, yo, we're paying you 40 plus mil a year. You're not pitching in the WBC. So that's where I'm seeing like this starting pitching issue, either on the young side or the older side with Team USA. I, I see both sides of it and in no way would I argue against a guy like if your decision and you're afraid of being hurt whatever it is don't do it like if you're adopting a new pitch and you're like man that new pitch might you know it might hurt my arm i get it it's about longevity it's about your team but to me this is this is my rant on international baseball you don't play truly meaningful games like these games 
and you only get to play those games in the playoffs. You want an you want an opportunity for your young players, whether it's a minor league guy going to get to play for you know some Team USA qualifier, maybe not WBC, or if it's a young guy that's you know a year or two just established in in the big leagues going to pitch in a WBC. This is the environment that will be as close, and I never played in WBC, but I played in Premier 12. I played in something that was called the Pre-Mundial. It is the closest environment you can get to the playoffs from a how-do-I-feel, my heart-wise, my mind-wise, and game plan-wise. Like, it's it's time to go. Like, when, when Tom DeBlock got runners on first and second in the play in the regular season you're like okay you know I am trying to get a you know double play here but I'm okay I have another extra base open because I know I can face you know a hitter later in the lineup regular season you're normally kind of going after that guy and you're not trying to get your pitch count up right now it is about winning and that is the name of the game so if you want to develop your players if you want to have we're going to talk about Henry Davis maybe later in the show Send him down to the Dominican. Send him down to, if Team USA calls for him to play, send him out there. Whatever it is, it's about competing. And that's why I think the U.S. still might have a chance because you have guys like Lance Lynn competes. Adam Wainwright competes. Miles Mikolas competes. Like, that's what you need. Yes, they might not have the stuff of a Corbin Burns or the stuff of a Scherzer or Verlander. I'm not saying those guys don't compete. But it's about competition, and that's what's so great about it. Wow, that's an A-plus rant from Eric Kratz. I'd love to hear how his former teammate thought his performance was. Corbin Burns making his foul territory debut. Pumped to have him, a good friend of, of all of us here. And how's Kratzy on a daily basis now hosting a show, Burns? You just got like a nice two-minute you know, ESPN hot take style rant from your boy. Yeah, I got a piece of it. It's good to see Kratzy on this side of the on this side of the game. You know, I've I got the the pleasure of playing with with Kratz, um, You know, for gosh, uh, I think it was about a half a season. He caught my debut and um, you know got me established in the big leagues. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good to hear him on on this side of the this side of the mic. Well, Corbin, uh, trust me, he's let us know five times already today that uh, he caught your debut. <laughs> I mean. Uh, two, three, five, whatever. My claim know. to fame. <laughs> my claim he, to fame. He's my friend. I taught him Robert everything. Burns is my friend. How did he do? Did he did he clank any? That's what I want to know. Did he throw any cutters well, I, and did Crouchy clank any? Well, I wasn't I wasn't throwing the cutter then, so that was just the four seam and the slider. And the first four seam went to the backstop. I don't know if he got a glove on that one, but um, I I remember remember after that one, he's like, hey, you got a little bit of adrenaline now. And I said, yeah, I was trying to throw a hundred. He's like, well, you probably don't need to throw a hundred. Your stuff is good enough, you know, regardless. So, um, but other than that, yeah, we got our first punch. We we got a two inning save, so it was it was good. It was a big spot too. It was a big spot in our season. We were. It was, I'm going to say, July, where we yeah. – did we go Miami to Pittsburgh? Is that when we – did you go to Pittsburgh and then we went to the All-Star break? Yep, yeah, we went uh, – we were Miami, Pittsburgh, and that was uh, – we were in a stretch there of, gosh, probably 16 or 17 games in a row, so we were a little thin in the bullpen, and I was just talking to Counts about it the other day of, like, it's like, hey, Counts, do you remember my debut? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, we had Hader down, we had JJ down, and I told you you were pitching that day regardless. He goes, I didn't think it was going to be a – two-run ball game in the eighth, but hey, you did all right. 
Yeah, I, I, you did. You did great. I mean, AJ can attest to this. You go out and you you see you look at a rookie's eyes when he's in the game. This is the eighth inning, and it was a one-run game, if I remember, or maybe a two-run game, but yeah, I'm not run, 100%. Yeah. And he, I remember asking him a question, you know, because I'm trying to learn the guy. I wasn't in spring training. They have, you know, DJ, Derek Johnson was our pitching coach, and he told me what I needed to know about, about Bernsey, and I knew all I needed to know when I came out just to ask him, like, hey, what do you want to go here? And he wasn't. He didn't, he didn't say, yeah, I want to throw a slider. Yeah, I want to throw a fastball. He looks at me, he's like, he's like, yeah, whatever you want to go with, it's cool. And he wore glasses at the time. And there was one bead of sweat running down the, the lens of his glasses because he sweats like, well, I won't say what he sweats like, but he sweats like crazy. And there was one bead of sweat coming down his glasses. And I was like, dude, this guy is locked in. <laughs> it was it was probably because of the 50 pitches I had thrown in the bullpen because I didn't know to slow down because I was still trying to figure out how to be a, a reliever and <laughs> lead tunnel out there. It's like, hey, you're, you're good. You're probably good. So now nah, I need a few more. I need a few more. <laughs> Kratzy, you can take the whole 20 minutes here. Actually, we should do that one day What for one of our uh, Corbin Burns uh, call-ins. Just get Kratzy and Burns just reminiscing. I love it. It's good stuff. Hey, Corbin, <laughs> let me ask you about the WBC. So, um, a, are you into into it? Like, will you be watching? And B, we were just talking about the pitching, um, not just for Team USA, but just pitching in general because it's it's loaded with position players to the tournament. My thing is, it's a little bit of a tough spot. So you have your teammate Freddie Peralta, for example, who wanted to pitch, and we're talking to him next week. I get it. Someone coming off an injury in the previous season that makes sense. Then I have this argument. Okay, you either have like the pitchers that are still under team control, trying to cash out, make their big money, and also take care of themselves. That's what the team the teams want, right? They want to take care of their guys, and it makes sense for the individual. Then you have the the senior members like the Scherzers and Verlanders of the world who are getting paid forty plus mil by their team, and they're like, you know what? At thirty eight, why don't you just start your season on April one? Why do you think it's so tough? for all these premier pitchers to get to the WBC. Am I onto something? Yeah, so I think, you know, the the, the big thing for me when, when I was asked to do it, um, you know, I was asked mid-season last year and, and basically say, you know, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see how the year fin- finished up. Let's see how the body's feeling. Um, and so for me, it was about, hey, I want to make sure that I'm healthy opening day. Um, I want to make sure that I'm full go opening day, that there's nothing that's going to hold me back. And, um you know, really, just just to try to get out there and throw that intensity this early um, in the season, with you know me still trying to, like you said, get to that free agency, do it, you know, get get a long term deal, whatever it may be. Um, it just felt smart smarter to to stay in camp, continue my slow build up, um, to be ready to get opening day. Um, yeah, you see, I think I think Adam Wainwright slated to throw throw game one, which which I will be watching all all of all those games on. But um, he's a guy. Gosh, he's been in the league for for as long as I can remember. Um, and he's going to go out there and he's going to, like you say, like Kratz said, he's going to go out and compete and he's going to go out and throw up zeros and, and give that team a good chance to win. So um, it's just about where guys are at in their career and what they feel like they're, they're going to be ready for that early on. Um, you know, having high intensity playoff atmosphere games, you know, March 9th or 10th, is, it, it's going to be really early. Bernsey, would you play next time? Say you get a contract. Would you play in the next one if they asked you? If you were healthy, Every, everything was healthy, you were good to go. Nate, what is it, 2027, I believe, is the next one? Yeah, scheduled. that sounds right. Yep. Would you, if if whoever is in charge of Team USA said, hey, can we get a commitment from you? Do you is this something you want to play in? 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's something that um, I'll you know definitely be interested the next time it comes around. Um, I think that's something that would be cool to kind of check off the list of, of playing in the WBC. And um, you know, we have we have a guy Christian Yelich who's played played in it in 2017, was a part of that team that won it. And he said, you know, there's no atmosphere like it. Um, it's a playoffs atmosphere, playoff atmosphere early in the year. And he was actually talking about he kind of had this huge letdown of going and winning. Um, you know, the WBC in, in mid-March, then going back to, to Jupiter, Florida with the, with the Marlins and starting the season in, in Miami, where now they're getting 10000 a game versus the 50000 they were getting. So it's kind of like, hey, kind of a little bit of a culture shock almost of, of hey, I was getting 50,000 people in, in March, and now we're in April, and on a Monday night game, we've got 8,000 people. So definitely a little bit different feeling. Um, but, yeah, that's something I would definitely like to like to do at some point in my career. Yeah, the Miami games last year, like USA, I always bring it up. USA Dominican Republic calling that game might have been the best game I've ever been a part of on the broadcast side. Like the the atmosphere was nuts. And I've been to many of those empty ball, empty, <laughs> empty Miami games, living there, like looking around like this is a new place, new house, looks great, but no one's in it. So yeah, the WBC is sick for that. Okay, so Corbin, I want to get to to yesterday and the start and everything else. We're going to have you on throughout the season. So we've got to do this in spring training right now because we haven't spoken to you yet and this is a we got players on this show just want to know from your perspective how things have gone since the arbitration case i know you had some words about it and we've been talking about too like how the dynamic is with players but you know what your thoughts were from that situation because it was such a small amount of money that was being battled on and many players since like it, in a good way have been outspoken about the fact that the system is just weird and wrong so what were your thoughts on how that all went down yeah, look, first off, it's, you know, it's it's the process that, that we go through. Once once you get to the three minimum years, you get into arbitration. Um, you know, I don't think anyone likes it, um, and it's part of the process that we have to go to. And as a player, we've earned the right to, to try to go and argue what we think we deserve. Um, you know, and obviously what, what, hap- what transpired with me, um, it was not something that was kind of ideal. And, um, you know, I, I had spoken to Hater a lot about it previ- uh, prior going into it, and he was a guy that went through it the previous year. Um, and Adrian Hauser did as well, so I got to talk to him about it. So just one of those things, you kind of know what you um, what to expect going into it, um, knowing that the team's going to do whatever they can to try to try to win their case and, and do what they can to make you look bad. And, um, you know, that's that's obviously that's what happened. But, um, you know, I've, I've had many meetings now with a lot of the guys in the clubhouse and with counts and the coaching staff. Like, look, I'm going to go out there. I'm still going to do my job. Um, you know, my job is to go out there every five days, give out the best effort I can, try to give the team a chance to win. That's not going to change. Um, so that's, that's something I tried to try to reiterate to all those guys is look, I, I understand what happened. Everything became very public about it because of, you know, some of the stuff that was said and just that's how the process goes. And, um, you know, my, my goal was, was not to, to trash the brewers and, and, um, you know, trash anyone that was involved with the arbitration process, but more, you know, bring a light to, to what happened. Um, and that this is a process that is big league players we go through um and not everything is is as good and as you know happy as it sounds um but then on the back side of it knowing that you know my players and teammates know that I've, I've got their guys back they got my back uh, every five days i'm gonna go out there and give everything i got and hopefully we can go win a win a world series this year corbin i i went i went to arbitration also when i was with the giants um it's for people that don't know and i don't know scott if you've ever really like sat through the process or, or even Kratzy because I don't, they don't Kratzy. let us in the room. <laughs> so no. So you go into this room and it's just this long, like conference room and there's a table in the middle and there's a T at the end and there's three arbitrators sitting at the one end and you sit down 
and you're sitting across from like the general manager. He's like this table. He's right there. And you're, and they tell you like the player association, I'm sure they told you the same thing, Corbin, like just don't react to whatever they say. And you're sitting there like this and you, and you go first and you give your case and you say, I'm worth 10.5 million. Do you say it yourself? I got, I talked in mine. I don't know if Corbin talked in his, but I, I actually did talk in mine. And so I'm sitting there and the GM is across the table and you're sitting there and, and your lawyer goes and he talks for 30 minutes and then they take a two minute break and then they talk for 30 minutes or whatever the time, I forget the time. And then you get rebuttals. And so you, then you go, you talk again, they talk and they say stuff. And, and I'm sure Corbin will tell you, and you're just like, you're just want to like jump across the table and <laughs> grab the GM because you're like, first of all, that is bull crap. Like that's not right. And you can't do anything. So you're just sitting there and just like, it's like eating at you. And then you get out and nobody says a word. Nobody says anything to anybody. You just leave. You're like, okay, good luck. See you at spring training. See you at spring training the next day. And then you get a phone call and they say you won or lost. And they don't give you a reason why, right? It's like the worst thing for a player to sit through. But I tell players, and I think, Corbin, now that you've been through it, if you really want to know what the teams think about you, sit in that room and they will tell you and they will make they'll make shit up excuse my language then you're like that is not true so please if your experience was different corbin tell me no it's that that's that's basically it um you know now now a couple guys i've I've talked to the team doesn't really send their gm or president of baseball ops those guys don't go anymore um, it's it's a lawyer they hire someone else in the front office who doesn't say anything. So basically, it's all all said by the lawyers. That, you know, they've given them their their case to to say, and you know, for them, they think it feels it's not as bad. I think because it's it's a lawyer saying it, not necessarily the GM saying it. Um, so they kind of present their case, and again, you're sitting right across from each other. They're they're saying stuff. They're trying not to look at you, and you're just sitting there, just you know, staring a hole through them. Like, are you like are you serious? Um, like, and then then each each side talks. You have the rebuttal. Um, you know, I, I didn't say anything. Um, the PA, I think now they don't really want guys saying anything or doing anything. So we just kind of sit there and just have to wear it. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you, a lot of young guys are like, well, how, how come you got to go to it? And it's one of those things like, it, it's kind of like the mandatory optional for those guys that went to college of, Hey, you know, you don't have to go, but you, you probably should go kind of thing. So it's like, um, it's one of those things that's basically, it's mandatory. You sit there, you listen, you take it. Um, at the end of the day, like you say, everyone gets up and walks out and, you know, they kind of give a smile on the way out and they're kind of like, hey, what's up? And you just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and go back to my room and, and get out of here. And then, yeah, the next day you get a phone call from, I got it from the PA and said, hey, sorry, we lost. And that, that was kind of it and said, good luck this year. So it's it's definitely a, a strange process and um, something that I, I think probably should be changed um, since the team just goes in there and just absolutely just tears apart all their, their players saying a lot of stuff that isn't true or um, crunching data the way they want to, um, and kind of leaving out all the, all the good parts. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird process and I don't think many guys like to go through it, but sometimes you have to. My question is, cause I've never been through this. I didn't need to make it to arbitration. Thank goodness. Cause they would have had plenty of ammo, but my thing is I want to know what is the worst thing that they said to you, but also what's the most What's the, what's the like most pointless thing they said? Like, like, come on, bro. Like, why did you put that in there? Like, seriously, like you caught me picking my nose, you know, one time, like I, I want to, I want to know from both, from both of those, what it was. 
Yeah, mine was um, actually was it's what I came public with was the, the the worst and one that was kind of hard to understand. And we actually had a rebuttal to it was was the, the I was the reason why we missed the postseason. So they they kind of you know they pull everything up of oh in the first half you know we were such and such record you were such and you had this all your numbers and the second half they say that your numbers weren't very good um, and they, they put together and you know basically they, they eliminate the month of September where I had you know good numbers again they put like a three or four stretch start in a uh, uh, stretch in August of where I had like a five ERA and they go look all oh, the team was was you know starting to tank at this time and that's the reason why they tanked the rest of the year but they leave out that you know had a good month of September I was, you know, four or five games over 500 in those starts I made. Yet the team was team was 500, so they they just completely skew the data to what to what they see, and hopefully that's what these arbiters arbiters hear, and that's what obviously they heard. Um, and then that, that for me that was also kind of the, the thing that kind of came out of out of left field for us as well was like you know that you know they the team will do whatever they can to try and and make it look as if you aren't valuable to the team. Um, to help the team or hurt the team in any way, um, and so they they will make the numbers whatever they could. They 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 made up stats. They I mean they they do everything they can um, as something that oh this is a stat that we really view you know heavily as as a player and you guys should as well. And it's it's a, you know it's gonna be stats that they made up. So it's just it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a court case. That's the thing, which is so strange because like MLB will say, hey, we need better athletes, better overall players. Like Kyle Tucker lost his case, two and a half million dollar difference. And I read all about it this morning. They, they just kept saying, well, he doesn't hit enough homers. And they're like, <laughs> okay, cool. Don't you want all-around players? Like, just absolute yeah. garbage. So, yeah. Corbin, yeah. It, yeah, right? I mean, like, that's <laughs> – Corbin, you're through it now. And now you just look at him and say, screw you. We'll go again next year. Like, let's do it again <laughs> next year. You know, because you've already been through it. So, it's important for the players. Though. I know it sucks, but it's important because it's the first chance you have as a player to really fight for your – not freedom, but – the money you deserve, like this is your chance, your yes. first chance to sit down and say, I'm worth this, especially if you don't have a long-term deal. So good for you for going, Corbin. I'm sorry you didn't win, but good for you for going, and um, I'm proud of you for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the process, and I, I think, AJ, you said it best, is you, know, you, you, you find out you know, what your true value is and what the team really thinks about you, and that's, I think that's more valuable than, than any money that you can really get out of it. Nice motivation, too. Like if oh. you didn't need it already, oh, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Creates uh, another chip, which never hurts. It's like bulletin board material for yourself. So, so, so it, go ahead. I was going to say, so I wanted to get that in there. Obviously, we're not going to talk about that during the season. What I do want to talk about probably almost every time we have you on is the cutter in general because I'm watching your post-game comments on your start. And so the two things from your, uh, from your Tuesday outing is, and I don't care about the results, it's the execution in spring training. One, how did you like – the pitch clock maneuvering and seeing what other guys are doing with it. Like a Scherzer saw some pauses and everything else to try and mess with hitters. And then I just loved the quote post game with the reporters. You're like throwing the crap out of the cutter all spring so that I'm feeling it from start one of the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the I think the, the kind of the first thing on, on everyone's mind is the, uh, the, the pitch clock. Um, you know, I think everyone is still trying to get accustomed to it. Um, every team, every guy is trying to find ways to use it to their advantage um, you know, it's one of those things that I think as we get going more into camp here, as the season gets going, you're going to start seeing players and teams that can really take advantage of it. Um, Scherzer's really pushing the limits as we're seeing. Um, and I think it's good for all of us. We're, we're all getting to learn, you know, the ins and outs of the rules, where you can, you know, capitalize on it. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, you, you, 
you know, Krasinski and, and Kratz, you guys are hitters. It's all about trying to get comfortable in the box. And so as a pitcher, we're trying to make you guys uncomfortable. So if we can use that clock in any way to make you guys uncomfortable, burn timeouts, quick pitch, whatever it may be, uh, that's just something that, that we can gain as a little bit of an advantage. Um, and then, yeah, the, back to the cutter. Um, you know, last year it took till really June to have a, you know, for me, have a good base of where I wanted that cutter to be. So um, I've told uh, Caratini, I've told Contreras, like, look, for, for me, it's going to be, let's see how many cutters we can throw in an outing. I don't care what happens. I don't care if we throw four or five in a row. Um, I don't care if they're hitting it. Um, for me, it's, it's about getting the feel for it to be able to throw wherever I want in the zone. Um, and, and yesterday was, it was a lot better. Um, early on in, in live VPs and sim games, the first game, the cutter wasn't where it wanted to be. Yesterday, it's, it's better, so it, it was, you know, it's trending in the right direction. But um, for the rest of camp, it's going to be just throwing a, throwing a ton of cutters and mixing some other stuff in. But for me, I can get just as good as work on the, uh, you know, the spin, the, the curveball, the slider, that kind of stuff in, in catch playing bullpen sessions. But for me, the, the cutter is something that I need that, um, you know, the reads off of guys' swings to know we're getting the right action to it. Um, and then once soon we start pairing with the other stuff, we know we'll get you know, the ugly swings back. I love it. You said catch play, by the way, which is funny because most people say play catch. And when I was <laughs> in the minor leagues with the Twins, they're like, it's not a joke. You're not playing catch. It's called catch play. And so you don't hear a lot of people say that. So that's interesting that you said that. So, Corbin, who taught you? I have a ball in my hand. I don't know if you can see it. I'm going to get yep. out of Scotty shot. But Move over. There you how, go. Who, first of all, who taught you the cutter? And can you show me how you hold it? Yes. Can the, you the, talk me through it on the ball? Yeah. So the, the cutter was something that I, I kind of thought of on my own um, when I was when I was working in the off season of nineteen going into twenty. Um, I knew the forcing was was just not going to be the pitch that I could rely on, and um, I, I knew I could spin the wall well with, with with the slider and the curveball already. So for me, it was like the most logical thing to do was was throw. A um, I already had a little bit of natural cut to it that I always tried to straighten out into a forcing. So for me, it was more about letting that natural cut just kind of take over. And then, uh, yeah, my cutter grip is just a pretty, it almost looks like a traditional four-seam fastball with the, uh, you have the horseshoe facing the other direction. So the horseshoe facing that yep. one. Yep, and then just a slight quarter turn to bring that middle finger onto that, that seam, yeah. This seam yep, here? right over there. Yeah, so that's, that that's like it. That? It's just, just a little bit of a, of a slight turn on the baseball that puts both the, the fingertips of that index finger and the middle finger on the seam. And then just let it rip, and just let the kind of the natural cut and a little bit of angling of the of the baseball um, get that cut action to it. Kind of like it would be so it'd be like you throw it like a fastball, right? Yep, yep. And my yeah, my hand kind of works um, on the side of the baseball like that. I, I'm not good at you know you see Freddie and, and Woody on our staff that are really good at that four seam fastball getting behind it, straight hand coming through, and I I just can't do that. My hand has a little bit of a slight you know turn coming to it through the through the um, you know the pitching motion and. Um, just spins the ball in, in the, the right way that we want to and just kind of uses the, the natural cut and a little bit of the, the seams and the spin to get that cut to it. It's interesting because Mariano showed me how he threw his, and he threw it with the horseshoe the other way. So, like, you were saying the horseshoe for you is out, right? Yep. Or, or this way, and you wanted to, to get it like that. Whereas yep. Mariano wanted the horseshoe where his fingers were, were, were this way, and he would just turn it, and so his fing his, this finger, his, his middle finger, was on that seam and he would rip it down. So it's interesting mm -hmm. that two people with great cutters throw it different ways. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's all about for me. It's it's finding the seams on the the, the pads, you know, the in, in, ends of the fingers on the pads of your finger. Um, so for me, my curveball, my slider, my cutter, um, 
all the seams come across that same that, that pad of the finger um, at, the, at the end of your fingertip. So for me, it was finding a way that I can turn the baseball to get the same feeling on the seam. So I'm not trying to do something crazy and, and, and manipulate the ball in a certain way. You're you were talking about did you have the pitch com on your glove yesterday when you were when you were throwing? And do you have you wanted to call your own pitches ever since your debut when your catcher didn't know what he wanted to throw? <laughs> is that where this all comes from? Because if it is, I'm totally good with it. Twitter has beaten me down and the minor leagues have beat me down and occasionally AJ beats me down. So nope. fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, talk so, about talk about the pitch comp. <laughs> yeah, so the pitch comp was. So I was one of the first guys on our squad to last, uh, to use it with the, the little piece in the hat, right, of, of the catcher. You know, the voice, you know, calling cutter down and away. So I was one of the first guys to kind of do that. And when I came into uh, into camp this year, Counts kind of brought it up of like, hey, you know, there's you know, Granky's been a big you know big guy for for um, you know calling his own pitches. Serge's going to call his own pitches. Is that something you'd want to do? At first, I was kind of like, nah. Like, I, 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 you know, I kind of like the, the, you know, the catch was calling it. I, you know, I got a good routine, got a good rhythm going. I don't need to call my own pitches. And just kind of the more you start looking at the pitch clock, and with no one on base, 15 seconds, you shake twice, you're going to get a pitch clock violation. So for me, it was like, man, hey, you know, how can we avoid that? Um, there was ideas of, hey, if you shake twice, it's always just going to be a cutter. I was like, well, what happens when you're in 0-2 count? You've already thrown two cutters, and now you're throwing a cutter again. Like, it's, it's, it's probably not ideal. So you can't just have a you know, a, a default pitch that you go to because you're going to get in trouble. So, um, you know, that, that idea was kind of scrapped. And so basically that's when I, I kind of circled back to this pitch comm on the glove, um, which I don't think Jason Shogger was really happy with. He was our, our equipment guy because he's having to doctor up all my gloves and take off logos and you know, glue them on other places so that we don't get in trouble. But um, it's just for me, I, I don't call them all the time, you know, William yesterday still called, you know, 80, 85% of the pitches. It's, it's more about, um, you know, if you, instead of shaking with, with no one on base, you just go right to it and click the button you want. Um, and then, you know, every pitcher knows, you know, you get strike one, you get strike two, you've got that feeling right away of, of, of your punch out pitch. So I just click it in and go. Um, or, you know, you got to punch out and you're throwing the ball around and as the ball's being thrown around, you, you, you click in your first pitch because you know, hey, I'm, typically I'm starting guys, you know, right-handers away. I want to start with the first pitch sinker in or something. So that's something that it may take a, a shake or two shakes to get to with, with the catcher. Um, so you just call it in right away. So it's not something that I'm going to use, um, you know, every single pitch. If For me, I still want to get in that good rhythm, that good timing of, of the catcher going in and knowing that we're on the same – um, you know, same wavelength. And obviously, I, th I think catchers can see swings and read swings better than anyone. Um, they're right there. They can, uh, they can hear. What they happened? Can, <laughs> Did you get a call? They, there we go. So we can, um, I, I think catchers more than anyone can can read swings and know, like, when a guy swings their pitch, like, oh, you can hear him. Like, well, you know, what was that? That's something that we don't know as pitchers. Um, there's, you know, a lot, we can see a lot of things, but a lot of things catchers see that we don't see. So I think that's still good to have the ability for the catchers to, to call the majority of the game. Um, and for us to, to kind of chime in when needed. I love it. And you're going to be a hundred percent on the pitch that you throw, but what I'm a hundred percent about is you saying Schauger, like, look, tell Schauger that there is no, like, if you want him, if you want him to paint your glove red, he needs to do that. Okay. <laughs> That is his job, and you tell him that I said that, okay? Don't I will. He's he's the biggest. He's he he knows what he's doing, and he's one <laughs> of the best in the game at it. So you make sure don't let him give you any hard time. 
Oh yeah, well, I'll, I'll make sure Crash said, "Hey, whenever I need this glove, doctor, you got to do it." <laughs> Corbin, two more quick things for you. One, Locaine just—he didn't officially announce it, but he was talking to a writer who basically he said, "I'm retired." Um, so, message for Locaine on his retirement. Someone you I know had a great relationship with. I mean, who doesn't? He's like one of the nicest dudes on the planet. Yeah, I mean, Locaine was Locaine was awesome at Clubhouse. Um, you know, we I still remember the day that we got both Yelly and Locaine on the same day, and it kind of kind of put this um, organization on a track that it hadn't really been on in a long time. As far as um, going to have some some veteran talent, um, some good guys in the clubhouse, and and turned us into a to a winning culture. So um, Locaine was was a big part of that. Um, he said he had some great years in Kansas City, and. When he came to Milwaukee, he always told us that, hey, Kansas City got my good years. And so uh, <laughs> you know, that was one of the, we, we still got plenty of good years from Locaine, but um, that was one of the things he always said is that Kansas City got his good years. So, um, you know, I love, love Locaine. Um, still love seeing him. He'll still come out and do all the fantasy football stuff. And so we get to see him a little bit. And, um, you know, going to miss gonna miss seeing him around the game, seeing him in the clubhouse, seeing us, all these crazy kids running through the clubhouse. Um, but, um, you know, con- congratulations to him on a, on a great career and, and hope he, uh, in- enjoys retirement and enjoys his kids. Yeah. And he's a great personality. That's a great Locaine line. So at, at some point, <laughs> definitely got to get Locaine involved here. Okay. And lastly, and we can get into this on a, on a longer topic another day, but just many have asked about this, the, the mental component of the game. I know what stood out to me is, and we've talked about this in other, other interviews in the past sports psychologists with teams. I know that was a big thing for you, um, helped you a ton. So wanted to get your thoughts on how helpful that is within the game, especially for baseball players when they deal with so much failure. And then after the game, everyone's jumping to their phones. There's just, there's so much going on. And are you still utilizing that? Yeah. Yeah. So I saw, I, I still have uh, weekly phone calls with Brian and, and still always trying to, to try to get a, you know, another edge up in the, in the mental side of it. Um, you know, coming off of 2019, obviously there, there's, there was no secret. That was, that was a tough year for me. And, and, you know, not only on the baseball field, but off the field, it was one of those things that I was taking baseball home to, to my family and, and, and my wife and it, you know, made, made all relationships strength. So for me, it was, it was learning how to separate the game and, and, uh, in life. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that I, I can take away from it. That was the biggest positive. Um, but then I learned a lot of things as far as, you know, routines and breathing and, and how to break down stars and outings and, um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of guys, I think, shy away from still in the game. Um, no one wants to go see the strength, but, um, you know, those guys can, can, can do a lot of good as, and not necessarily breaking down, you know, how you think and, you know, the, the, the typical therapy side a lot of guys think of. Um, you know, for me, I, I think of more as a, of a mental performance coach versus a psychologist or, um, you, know, psych, you know, team psychology, whatever it may be. Um, for me, it's, it, it, it's the mental performance coach, and, and from, I, from that, I've learned how to, to really structure my days around, around baseball, structure my day of, of um, you know, work done at the field, um, so that when I get on the mound, it's going out and having fun. That's something I, I got away from in 2019, was, was baseball was not fun. When you're giving up homers at the rate I was giving up, um, baseball no longer becomes fun. So um, <laughs> when I was able to, to kind of get things figured out and learn how to, how to deal with adversity, um, baseball became fun, and, and we ended up um, coming out of it all right. Yeah, everything's going well. You throw the crap out of that cutter all spring training long. We'll talk again soon. And how did Kratzy do? This first time you're having him on a, a live daily show is is the new broadcaster of the year here in baseball. Yeah, I think so far. We'll, we'll, we'll be an A-plus there, Kratzy. 
Yeah, the let's go. That, that means a lot, Bernsey. That means a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what hat you got going. The hat, I don't know, is the hat green? I can't tell. The hat's green. Yeah, yeah, it's green. Fisher cats. Okay. All right. It's a new thing on Twitter, Kratz hats. He wears a different hat every day for the 2,686 teams that he played for. He's even got beer league softball. He's got international. He's got it all. So I did find some little league hats last night. So if you have a little league hat, Bernsey, don't be afraid to rock it sometime. It could be on Kratz hats. I'm just saying. All the fun old ones. Hey, Corbin, this was awesome. We're excited to have you on throughout the season. Enjoy uh, the rest of spring training. We'll talk to you again very soon. And uh, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Yep, thank you guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Corbin Burns, with us. Yeah, that, especially that awesome. with with Kratz, that was awesome, and and Kratzy on on the debut. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I wish good you. I just shit. wish you would have had pitch comps. We could have not had to shake Kratz off so much in his debut. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a boss. That would have been a boss move. And in, in your debut, you just come up and you're like, mm, I'm good. Like yeah, I, I don't even this. know who Eric Kratz is. I looked up his <laughs> WAR. Like here. You just <laughs> just listen to this thing. Hey, I got this, kid. Yeah, I got this. Okay, but that that honestly that that's how he kind of was when him and Woodruff came up. Woodruff was kind of a he was an up and down guy. Burnsy, as soon as he came up, he was he was up and he was a piece in our bullpen. Obviously, his first outing gets a two inning save, but this guy like it makes it easy. AJ, you know when you're when you're down there and you're like, yeah, hi, right, this is a big spot. I know what I need to throw, and you're looking at your fingers like. Hmm. There is not a tall pitch I can call right now. Like you're, you're, you're sitting there going, I don't know what to call. And that wasn't the case with him. Like I, I couldn't go wrong. It's like the, it's like the catcher's for him now. Like if he accidentally just always hits cutter and every button is programmed to cutter, I'm pretty sure he's going to get it right. I love, you know, I agree. And listen, I love when he showed how to hold the ball, right? Yeah. Like that's super cool to me in any baseball fan or any kid or any, you know, high school kid out there. Like I was always taught again, Mariano showed me like I showed you and then, yeah. and then he showed me a completely different grip. Right. So I can go today to practice and say, cause we worked with some kids yesterday in my son's high school and throwing a, a slider slash cutter. And I was showing him how Mo showed me. And then, so now I can say, well, also, you know, Corbin Byrd showed me this one. If that one doesn't feel right, We'll try this one and see if that because people have different feels for different pitches. Not everyone holds it, not everyone hits the same way, not everyone throws the same way and feels it the same way. So for him to do that, it's pretty awesome. And he taught himself. AJ is going to be name dropping at, at the high school practices now each day That's, from his guests. He's like, Burns told me this today. Scherzer told me this today. <laughs> You're allowed to name drop. The high school kids are like, they hear the name drop and they're like, wow. Yeah. What's your dad's name again? <laughs> dude i told him all listen i said if you don't watch the carlos correa interview we did last yeah. week and learn something about how to prepare then every, all of you are failing yep and then if you're a pitcher and you don't watch what corbin burns was talking about today you're failing you're I mean, if you're a coach out there watching and you're not having your your pitchers watch and have him talk about the mental side of it and dealing with failure and, and learning new pitches and what he's going through like it's just things that people need to hear and i'm so happy we have a a platform for it. 
Hey, let's bring in our next guest, too. She's been hanging out in the green room waiting for us, and we really appreciate the little wait because Corbin Burns was getting after it with us. MLB.com's Mandy Bell covers the Cleveland Guardians on a daily basis. Their beat reporter, uh, one of the superstar writers in the industry. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk to you. How, uh, how's your day going, and did you catch any of the Burns interview there? I did. And uh, like, I think I'm reiterating everything you guys just said. How cool is it that he's sitting there showing grips? I mean, I don't think there's anything cooler than that for anyone watching, especially kids. So sort of like reminded me of how we saw Adam Wainwright do that mic'd up pregame last year, going through his whole pregame routine. Coolest things ever. And I think uh, just doing wonders for kids out there who have resources like this now. Mandy, uh, you're out in Goodyear. Is that right? In Cleveland I, camp? In the Guardians? Yep. How are they doing? I mean, my White Sox, you know, they beat my they beat the tar out of my White Sox last year. So, I mean, are they talking about that again? You know, there was a big celebration they won and a lot of White Sox talking their celebrations. So, I mean, you know, how, how's it going out there? I mean, it seems like the vibe is pretty much the same as it was last year, which is different because last year no one expected much of them. And then this year – everyone's sort of expecting things and yet they're still trying to keep the same mentality of having this chip on the shoulder um trying to prove people wrong i think they're really looking at it as okay well people don't think we can do it again and so that's how they've been able to have that same type of a mindset going into this year so i think largely they're trying to just approach the season like they did last year because in reality it is going to be difficult to duplicate what they did because a lot of things had to go right and they all did and so seeing if that can play out once again will be challenging but i think that they're uh trying to keep that same let's prove everyone wrong mentality mandy happy international women's day today (laughs) nobody nobody congratulated you thank you for (laughs) being a woman and being a new a new wife um but you know, isn't isn't what you what you just said? Isn't that your job as the as the writer who's following the Guardians? Like, hey, you know what? You need to tell us how how this team is going to accomplish what they accomplished last year. So, who is who is not necessarily even a prospect? Who in camp that you haven't written about yet, or you're maybe about to write about? Do you think is going to have a huge impact on that team? Because the, the reason I say that is because. The Guardians, year in and year out, are calling people up that fit into roles and may not have that prospect status, but they also call up the prospects. And if they don't, if they don't hit well, they don't pitch well, we'll see you. Like, they'll go and get the next guy. So who is that guy in that camp or maybe several guys? I think there are a couple of guys. I mean, one, I think – without a doubt, it's going to be Tristan McKenzie, who is going to need to have that huge year behind Shane Bieber. We've all seen Shane Bieber and what he's able to do consistently. Um, We saw Tristan McKenzie and what he's capable of last year. Um, But I think to see him duplicate what he did last year and show that he can be consistent, because I know that that was a problem for him in the past. He got sent down in 2021 because he was struggling with his command and proving that he can be consistent and just showing that he could be like a Cy Young type of contender. I think that'll be huge for this team. Now, offensively, 
it's going to be, I think, Oscar Gonzalez is the big one that I'm watching right now because there's a lot of doubt, I think, that uh, that he can do what he did last year and do it just as well because, like, throughout the minor leagues, the biggest thing with him was that he is so aggressive at the plate. His plate discipline just didn't seem like it would translate well to the big leagues. It didn't seem like he would be successful, and somehow he was able to pull that off last year. Now can he avoid that sophomore slump? Can he get into it more this year where he's saying, look, I I'm here to stay. I can be consistent at the plate. I can sit there and I can draw more walks. I can be like more patient. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for him to answer because if he's not able to do what he did last year, this is a completely different lineup. That's a big hole to try to figure out how they're going to fill. So I think he's a, a big focal point for this offense. I called four or five Guardians national games last year, and you're around this guy. And, like, he almost went in the Rule 5 draft, and they could have lost him, which is a whole other story in itself, <laughs> which we can get into. But you're looking at the guy, and then you look at him in BP. Then you look at him in the game, and you're like, how the hell was this guy almost going to go to another <laughs> team? Like, he, he's a monster. He looks good out there. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm expecting big things from him. I want to double down on, on Happy International Women's Day. Mandy, um, one of the great voices and writers in the game, and we all shouted out the amazing women in our lives, um, both who we work with and part of our families. So wanted to just give you a chance to, to give a shout out, but also to specifically in this industry, um, the women that have made a major impact in your career. Oh, man, that's difficult. I think it's it's easy to sit there and just think about everyone. I mean, I grew up watching people like Meredith Morakovich, um, seeing how great she was at her sideline job. I mean, uh, people like Kim Jones. I was a Penn Stater, so like Kim Jones was a big one for me because she was a Penn Stater. Um, you think about watching Jess Mendoza every single Sunday. It, just, it was just so easy to see these figures. And I was lucky enough to be part of a generation where it was easy to see figures like that. I know they all didn't have those types of figures as regularly as my generation and the next generation will. Um, and so it's just, it's nice to see that becoming uh, more normalized and easier for other women to see people in this role that look like them and are like them. And so, yeah, and I guess for a shout out, I mean, is it easy enough for me to always just shout out Sarah Langs every time I have? So, so I, I think Sarah Langs is going to be my my easy shout out for that one. She's my best friend. Obviously, if you follow me on Twitter, we don't really hide it that well. So um, <laughs> I think I'm going to shout out Sarah Langs as much as I can. That's nice. That's great. Uh, Mandy, didn't Meredith Morakovitz, didn't she play volleyball at Penn State? She was LaSalle, but um, Kim oh, Jones okay. was there, but she did, but she did play volleyball. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I got the two, I, I got the two confused, you know, Yankee reporters, you know, you get them a little confused. With that. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So yeah. Eric already mentioned you just got married uh, recently. <laughs> Is your husband a baseball fan? um okay is he watching right now um no <laughs> I, I, i'm gonna go with like it's enough he uh he actually works for the cleveland cavaliers so he's oh. more uh into into basketball but um I, he can get by as a baseball fan i guess i'll give him that okay did and did you grow did you grow up a guardians fan slash indians fan uh no so i was from uh pennsylvania and somehow instead of falling into the Orioles, Phillies, Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates land. I actually grew up a Yankees fan, if you couldn't tell from the women I listed. But, um, yeah, somehow got brainwashed at a young age to fall into that. Okay. So is it tough, like, if the Indians – or sorry, the Guardians play the Yankees, <laughs> you root for the Yankees or you root for the Guardians? 
You don't root for anything. You root that's for the a best lie. That's a lie. No, that's it true. It is not a lie. No, it's you want your team to be good. If you cover a team, you want them to be good. You don't want to follow a crappy team. Oh, you're saying your... as a beat reporter, yeah. you want the team to be good. Yeah, yeah that's actually the interesting. the best possible angle. Like, yeah. if even if it's if it's a loss, you just want them to lose in a creative, weird, fun way that you can go write about that's different. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the run-of-the-mill 4 nothing loss with absolutely nothing to write about. No, you want to win, a creative win or just a win, because when you go in there, the guys are like, Oh man, it's so great to see you. We won. Whereas if some guy <laughs> boots the ball in some crazy way, the guy's like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. So yeah, you root for wins. Uh, I guess so. I guess you, you just, yeah, you, you know, you hope for the best possible outcome to be able to to write about. And I guess it, it is fun to cover a postseason run. So you have a point. You have a point. You write, you write about these players on a daily basis, multiple stories daily. And you have other stories you know, in the wing, in the queue that you're, that you're working on. How do you build as a, as a writer, how do you build that relationship with those players your way? Not necessarily maybe how you do it and also how you've been taught and seen other people do it. Uh, Well, my way, my own take on it is I am child obsessed. So anyone with children, I am 100% starting with asking about their kids and finding out every single thing about them. Because genuinely, I absolutely love learning about kids and hearing about them. So that's my easy way into conversations. But I mean, I think it's just it's it's just being approachable, trying to show that, look, I'm not I'm not trying to be the enemy here. People can easily look at media like that and just trying to be a a friendly, familiar face and not trying to seem like you're trying to overstep. Um, And you're just trying to broadcast more about the game that you love so much. And so trying to find fun, positive angles um, more often than just trying to dig into the negative. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And you just try to have as much small talk as you can as you're walking through the clubhouses and show people that you actually care about them as human beings and not just the prop of, of trying to get something out of for a story or whatever it may be. But I think that's just the biggest thing for me. And you've got a, a pretty young Cleveland Guardians group, which is fun. I mean, they're not, you know, big league and all the reporters like well, AJ and Kratz used Tito. to do. Tito doesn't, Tito doesn't <laughs> Dude, Tito does. No, he doesn't. Mandy, has Tito ever said, oh, hold on, guys, i got to finish my cribbage game before I can talk to you? Uh, probably at some point, but now that he lost <laughs> Brian Shaw, I don't know if he has m- many cribbage partners anymore, but, uh, yeah, uh, that was a big thing. That was a yeah, big thing. He used to tell us we'd go in there for man. Oh, hold on guys. I got to finish my card game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the worst part yeah. is you come out with like his shirt off and you're like, Oh, please no. <laughs> put your shirt on. <laughs> Luckily he doesn't walk into the media room shirtless. So I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> okay. Exactly. There you go. Okay. So I've got one more guardians question for you, Mandy. So this was the youngest team in baseball last year they have done just one of the best jobs in baseball at making trades um but also developing their prospects which we talked about but like the Lindor trade the Kluber trade you know Classe Jimenez um Ahmed Rosario so clearly they're doing something right I have heard from those in the industry they're difficult to trade with their front office members are super nice humans it's it, it's Midwest nice it's that they <laughs> value their prospects at a certain level and they don't budge even if that means not making a trade your thoughts on that? Because it's not a knock because they're doing it well, but you just you hear the the grumpy other front offices being like, oh, I can't deal with Cleveland because they think their prospects here and they won't move off of that. 
Uh, yeah, that's extremely accurate. That the, That is it to a T. They have a price in mind. They never say really anyone's off the table when it comes to conversations, but some people are going to be worth the farm and some people maybe a little bit less, but they do not ever sell anything for a penny less than what they think that they should get. And so um, they become masters at it. You just listed off so many guys right now that are huge impact players for them that were part of trades that were some big name players. I mean, you think of how they got Emmanuel Classe. Um, you start thinking back to Corey Kluber, and that was such a huge name for this franchise. But now it's turned into Classe, who's just the best closer in the American League. Um, and so they know how to find these types of trades that can turn into something that really can um, send an all-star player like Francisco Lindor and get an Andres Jimenez who fans were already saying within like the first two months after Lindor left like oh we won the trade we won the trade like everyone was so in on it after losing a star like Lindor it's really impressive how they've done it but yes there's a reason why right now they have one of the best minor league systems, but they don't really have many places for these young guys to come up because everyone's young on the major league roster. No one really takes days off. And so there's not many holes for these guys to come up and fill, but they still haven't parted ways with them when most people would have already had some turnover by now to try to get some trades going because they don't have enough middle infield spots for all their middle infielders that are in their top 30 prospects right now. Well, they're still hanging on to them. They obviously haven't gotten the deal that they've wanted to get. And so they're going to hang on to them, even if they don't really have the places for them, even throughout their minor league system. It's going to be so crowded right now to try to find places for everybody, but they do not let go of people unless they think they get exactly what they deserve. Smart. Yeah, it's smart. Though, it's working. Organization. It's working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandy, last thing for me, you recently did an interview where you mentioned the uh, rule changes you think are going to help the Guardians. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? And is it because the bases, the pitch clock, they're going to steal more bases? Like what, what's the main thing you see helping the Guardians? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily helping them as much as it doesn't hurt them as much as it could other teams. I think that the pitch timer is something that Uh, they can really use to their advantage. And Tito always talks about, like, we're going to try to get anything that's presented to us and spin it to be the best possible advantage for us that we can. And the biggest thing for them is they're so young. I mean, all their pitchers just came up using that in the minor leagues. And so you have so many teams right now that have really veteran pitchers who are in their ways and have not had to adjust to anything like this ever. And this rotation and most of this bullpen – just came from using it. And so they're like, okay, well, this is nothing new. We know exactly how to use this. And then we know how to keep the game moving. And they're, I like never even thought twice about their rotation struggling with this at all because they work so fast to begin with. And so those types of things I think they can use to their advantage as some teams might be a little bit slower to adjust. I think these guys have zero issue with it. And it will not take them very much time at all to adjust to this. Uh, I think maybe just a start or two in spring training and they're already like, okay, we're fine. We know how to do this. So, I mean, just the scrappy base running that they do, they're always going first to third, no matter what. I think that maybe the bigger bases could help them steal a little bit more and help them play their small ball game. But um, I think they're just figuring out ways to just make these as beneficial to them as possible, maybe easier than other teams. Yeah, I love their style of play. They were zigging while everyone else was zagging last year, and it was really cool and fun to watch. Mandy, you're a rock star. You can follow her. Uh, IG is at Mandy Bell MLB, and Twitter is at Mandy Bell 2 And then let's just finish with this. I think we've got the shirt to show off, which they're coming in the mail for 
for AJ and me next week. So I think we're bringing Sarah on in the next week or two. The shirt is so money. Baseball is the best. You can see down the middle and ALS. Always thinking about Sarah. We were texting with her yesterday, actually. So a shout out on a special day here to to your true BFF, Mandy. It's a it's an awesome yes. relationship to watch you two like on on uh, social media too, like having your back and forth, like two of the best in baseball. So uh, we appreciate you and um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Mandy Bell, covering the Cleveland Guardians. That was awesome. Great. Good stuff. Yeah, we're getting those shirts next week. Awesome. I can't wait. And uh, I just love, like, how knowledgeable, right? Like, we could ask her anything about the oh, Guardians yeah. or pretty much anything in baseball. Well, that's right? why beat writers are great. They don't miss a, a beat. I mean, <laughs> they... but, but her answer about, I'm just going to go back to this because, like, you want your team to win. Like, I know she's like, oh, I want the best bull. Because if you're following a team, Kratz, and you're there, when your beat writer is there with you every day, they want you to be happy and they want a good team to cover because it's so hard for them to find stories if you're losing. And it's so hard to get the guys to talk about things if you're losing. Am I, am I wrong in this? Nobody. I mean, part of part of the question I asked about are the relationships. Like part of it is the relationship. And you're not a good you, – you don't have a good relationship with anybody in your life when your team is – when you're losing all the time, when you're struggling. You don't make eye contact with reporters. You barely make eye contact with your family. Like, you're sitting there and you're like, like, when are we going to turn this around? And then, you know, that's when I think the fractured relationships with the media comes in is, you know, things don't go well and you're already – you're you're – your mindset, you're already hurt. Your feelings are already hurt because you didn't do well. But then they have to ask the same questions that, you know what, if they ask the same question after you win, like everybody's happy. It just makes everything better. It makes the season like, wow, I had no idea. It was September already. You know, just keep winning. Every day you come to the park. And I I think I think she gave the she gave the PC answer there. I think she she was really cheering and she probably still cheers a little bit for the Yankees. The issue is the Yankees absolutely slaughter the guardians year in and year out in the playoffs. So that's a hump that the guardians need to make it over. This is where I'm going to go against you guys. And this is maybe one of the only reasons why I'm here, but media member, right. And not former player and calling games and doing my thing. And I grew up a Mets fan. Like, Sure, I want the Mets to do well for my family per se, but if I'm covering them or I'm calling the game, like I really was able to extract that fandom from my body and still be a massive fan of the game. So sure, does a beat writer want to cover a hundred lost team every year? No, but also even on the relationship part, Kratzy, you know how this is. There's a beat writer in the clubhouse every damn day and they're with you through the hard times. Then you have a lot of respect for that too, right? It's like, it's like the the high school girlfriend or college girlfriend and you're making shit and then all of a sudden you become a star, right? And they're with you from the jump. Like there there is something to that. I mean, I've had that with with teams and with even just players that weren't a big deal and then all of a sudden they emerge and they're like, oh, you were on me from the beginning, always bringing me on shows, whatever. So I just think I get what you're saying. It's cool. But at the same time, like her season last year, I think like was just as cool just because of the Cleveland story, youngest team emerging in the central. Like, I don't think she's going, damn, they didn't win the world series. No, but she's saying youngest team they're emerging and they won the division. 
So you just proved my point. Thank no, I you. didn't. You I didn't. Did. I'm just saying it's an interesting so team. So if they would have gone to the last day and lost at the end of the year, would she have the same feeling? Yes. No. Yes. No chance. You know, you know an interesting team no to cover chance. last year? Who? The Chicago White Sox, and they didn't do shit. Yeah, and it was miserable. Right, but it was interesting. And it's yeah, but it fun was miserable. For, but miserable for the team. The reporter the, oh, had the re- so much juice to cover all the time. Dude, you ask – I talked to Scott Merkin yesterday. He was the beat reporter. And he said it was boring and it sucked? No, he said it was miserable because he had to go in and talk to the guys every day. Yeah, but the stories are interesting. The stories are the stories, but you'd much rather – I mean, at least for me, if I was a writer – But he's I'd not – he's not But playing. I want to cover positive stuff. I want to talk Why? positive. I mean, he – right. Yeah, but there was there was stuff to cover. It's interesting, and fans want to hear about it. Their their job is is, is a journalist. Okay. So yeah. when we bring him on, we're bringing him on, what, probably next week. We'll, we'll ask him, him about it. But I'm just saying, in my opinion, that's how I've covered the game. That's just my pushback. Not saying I want to cover a 100-loss team every year. And I know on the play-by-play side, I have a few friends that cover shitty teams every year, and they say it sucks. I think on, I think on that side, if they're, the te- they're like a team employee, it's a little bit different. If you're a writer and you're a little more neutral, I depends I, on which, Kratz, it depends. Catch me, if you're wrong, catch me if I'm wrong here, but it depends on what kind of writer you are. Now, if you're like Mandy works for the Guardian, MLB, right, .com? MLB.com. So she works for MLB. Yeah, technically, So she's going to sure. spin it positive. No, most, I mean, if there's a bad story, well, though, true, it, but right, it depends. Most of the yeah, time there's a gonna, line. There's a now, line. Now, there's also reporters we that are, <laughs> again, Kratz, tell me if I'm wrong, that are there to stir it up. Like, we had Jay Mariotti in Chicago. Yes. That was Dan there Shaughnessy to stir, in Boston. To stir it, it up, yes. right? So they're looking for the negative crap to write mm-hmm. all the time. So you're saying, well, it's, that's just personalities. You're saying case by case. Like, Dan Shaughnessy in Boston, I'm just throwing, there's multiple names like this across the country. they they thrive off of chaos. Yeah. So so he's not rooting for the Red Sox to necessarily win no. a World Ooh. Series. He actually does. His, business is good for him but they when lose the Red games. Sox are a shit show. So, 100%. That's what I'm saying is not every writer is the same way. It, it's interesting. I never thought, like, AJ's bringing this up now to writers being like, yo, what's your what's your angle here? Are you rooting for them? Like, what? I like well, it. No, because, I, I mean, I didn't know where Mandy – Mandy grew up, so I. She said Pennsylvania, but I, there's Pennsylvania's close to Ohio, so she could have been a Guardians fan, an Indians yeah. fan back. I'm in the just day. saying you can separate it when you're, obviously when you're now in the media. I was able to. I, I mean that I Perhaps was easily call, able to. When separate. you call Phillies games, you're rooting for the Phillies, aren't you? I am, but I grew up a Phillies fan, so I think that's where I come from with that. But I also, when I played, I wasn't just a Phillies fan, like. My entire career, when I'm playing for the Brewers, oh man, the Brewer, the Phillies beat us. That's <laughs> well, so yeah. awesome. But, but on the same hand, I, I think the I think the writers that they, they they have an invested relationship, whether they do or they don't. Like your relationship dictates how the team is doing. You know, the guy you're talking about from Boston, like he's going to be the first one. Then that when they go two for their first seven games, they're two and five. He's gonna be calling for Joey Cora's head. Like he's already got that. He's already got that story in the queue. <laughs> or Alex Cora, but yeah, Alex Cora, Joey Cora. What did I say, bro. Joey Cora? Yeah, he might. He might. He might go. be calling for he Joey Cora to take over about Alex Cora. Jo- oh, Joey's distracting him. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I-, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I said Brian Roberts yesterday, and not Dave Roberts, and you guys didn't call me on it. So well, I'm glad. I'm glad. To, I'm glad you don't miss. You don't. You don't catch everything. <laughs> we call. I call. We caught it. We just don't want to call you out. We're, we're trying no, to no, I, let you grow with yeah, this Yeah, exactly. It's it's Kratzy's like fifth show. All right. So I've got one more thing I want to do before slap hands. Um, the Reddit community is massive. I don't think they get enough pub on like national media or whatever the hell you want to call a show like this. 
So new segment, going to do it weekly at least. It's called Reddit on Wednesday. And I just sift through Reddit. The, the Reddit baseball feed is has like two and a half million followers. There's so much shit on there that's hilarious, unfiltered. It's just very on brand for what we're doing. So I've got two topics for you. First off, this one had a lot of buzz. It's from conspirator number one on Reddit. He goes, or she goes, I will go to my grave believing that Mike Piazza was telling the batters in the 2004 All-Star game what he was calling for Clemens to throw. Those two didn't like each other. You were you were prime AJ those years around all of those guys. Your thoughts on the conspiracy? I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, Clemens did throw a bat at him. That's what I'm saying. He also is, hit him in the head. Yeah, right? threw and it's an exhibition game, so screw it. Tell but everyone it did what he's you know, throwing. It gave people home field advantage in the World Series, so maybe it did matter. I guess you're right. But listen, if, I mean, that's a good one because if you think about it, like, what, what do you have to lose if you're Mike Piazza? And plus you're like, well, I can't get him back because I already lost my chance to fight him. So, yeah, why not tell him what's coming? I'm, I'm in on this one, uh, Reddit number one guy. I'm, I'm in on it too. And I would love to ask Mike Piazza about it. Like, that's the conspiracy, all the conspiracy stories that I think of in my mind. Like, I want to ask. I want to ask that guy. And, and now we have a platform. We can get, we can get old pizza on here and <laughs> ask our guy. Did you do it? Because I love Team Italy. He is. But I, I'm saying right after that, let's let's get him on and ask him about the story. I like long plays, and that's a great long play. <laughs> he hasn't told anybody that. He's played the long game, and we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of it next year for the All-Star game. Let's go. What is it, Mike? There, there's some – I mean, I haven't been – I don't know all the conspiracy theories, but there's some pretty solid conspiracy theories, like, in general, like – the. You know, we got the flat earthers, right? We got the we didn't land on the moon ones. We got aliens made the pyramids. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of conspiracies. You know, there's some in baseball. I don't know if we're going to get into them, but there's some in baseball other than that 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 are pretty solid too. Well, I have a question from two catchers. Did did you ever come across anyone that told a hitter what's coming? You did. I did. What? We tell them if there was a guy we couldn't get out. If there was a guy you couldn't get out, tell him what's coming. Is that like they the won't whole believe you Tony Gwynn down the middle kind of thing? Just give no, him a fastball just, down the middle. So, so uh, Quant, uh, not Quantrill. Gosh, what was the guy? He played for the Angels. Uh, Quinlan, Rob Quinlan, mm-hmm. right? He could, Mark Burley couldn't get him out, right? At all. He was like ten for twelve with like six homers off him. So we had a meeting. We're like, well, how are we going to do with Quinlan? And and our pitching coach Don Cooper says we're just going to throw him sinkers away every pitch. And I'm like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, and I want you to tell him what's coming. I said, okay. So Quinlan came up first about, I go, I think it was Rob, Rob. I'm like, hey, Rob, yeah. you're just getting nothing but sinkers away. And he looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. I mean, I think we got him out three or four times that night. But then he figured it out after that, that we were only throwing him that. So we had to change it up. But for that one night, we got him out. It worked. I love it. I love it. I, my my conspiracy, My conspiracy thing is, you know, you hear a lot about, like, old time guys like that were had somebody that worked for the stadium you know sitting in the stands you had somebody that you know worked on the scoreboard and would blink a certain light those are all conspiracies unless you actually ask that guy but hey maybe we can delve into it maybe our producers can track some of those guys down we can hey we 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 don't have time today but when i was with the white Sox, we we caught 
red-handed. We caught a certain team up north. We we caught them doing really? something of that ilk. Do you want to go there now? Or you no, want to no. Save it? We'll get into it one day. Save it? In, in, in Kraft's what you said, we asked a player – about it and they were don't put me in that group <laughs> not me it wasn't i'm gonna me. get calls from drelic and rosenthal it's wasn't, gonna be the next scandal wasn't me wasn't... i'm yes. posting this whole thing on reddit they're gonna they're gonna go freaking nuts about what you're talking about right now listen you can ask we, that's a conspiracy that, right there it wasn't you, a conspiracy yeah but you're throwing caught. shit out there and you're not giving the story well we'll get it we got, okay do we have every day we i know we get do. into it i know so what do. is that Mythbusters? then is is that more of a Mythbusters than conspiracy no, because it's not a myth. It's it's, it's true. true. It's true. I mean, it's not true sources. until you prove it. We we when we got time, we'll get into it. We'll, okay, I'll, good. I'll tell you how we proved it. We proved it. Okay, good. One more from Reddit that I want to bring up that was hot this week. Uh, username's Sandwich Crust. Sandwich is a town in Massachusetts, by the way, for the Boston lovers. The Red Sox still haven't lost a spring training game. Boston has the most runs scored, fewest runs allowed. In the Grapefruit League, an MLB leading plus forty-three run differential. It's it's a tee up. It's it's a layup for so many to make fun of the fact that a spring training doesn't mean shit. B the Boston Red Sox are not on everyone's nice list, especially for fans in Boston right now. They're just not thrilled with their recent transactions and the way they've handled a lot of things, especially with the Bogarts loss and just how they're not really keeping up with some of the AL East clubs at the moment. Boston's also just such a up and down ball club. They don't like stay consistently here. But anyway, spring training uh, records mean nothing. Who cares? Yeah. But no, it's said, more just from cracking a joke about the what, team. What I'm did saying. what did Jeremy, our, our director, say? They have a better chance of uh, the number one pick, number one yeah, pick, than winning the World Series. So I, I think Jeremy might be on to something with that one. That also but, isn't a conspiracy if it's the truth, right? You're saying the number one pick thing. Well, yeah, it's not a conspiracy that they're going to win the World Series. I mean, it's the truth. They're probably not going to win the World Series. That's just a take. That's oh, just a, okay. a take. That's a I would take. call that That's a not take. not a conspiracy. When yeah. I, was in a, I was telling the guys before the show that in spring training, talk about winning spring training. Like AJ said, it doesn't matter. The starters, AJ, how many, how many ninth inning decisions have you ever seen? Yeah, none, right? I mean, unless I was at you know, the one game where you had to play nine innings. Other than that, I had no idea. I had to ask every day if we won. Right. And so, you know, you get you get that you get that mindset. But as a you know, a young kid at, at camp and as a guy who's not a starter, I'm playing the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. You know, maybe if I'm big time, I'm only playing sixth, seventh, eighth, and then they bring in somebody else for the ninth. But I remember my first big league camp, the guys in Toronto said, Hey guys, you know, if we don't if we win the grapefruit league, it's like we all get Sanyo TVs. And this was kind of when like the flat screen TVs were coming out. So guys were like, guys were doubling down on the story. They're like, oh, we're getting a Sanyo. Yeah. They're like, oh man, I'm getting one this year. We won it two years ago when I was with so-and-so. I'm hanging in my locker. That's going to be so awesome. Oh man, that'll be great. So me, I'm sitting there like, yeah, let's go guys. Let's like, let's win this thing. Is this for everybody on the active roster? And I think we came to like the second to last day when nobody was playing. Like the big leaders, I think probably had already flown up to Toronto. They were all gone. So it was just like, it was field three, went over to the big league stadium to play. And we lost the game. And I just remember being dejected, like, 
dang it, we could have won. Like I was looking at the standings to see what else people want, you know, who else won. And somebody was like, dude, these games don't matter. There's no TV. Nobody's winning a TV. I was thoroughly distraught, completely relieved that I had only told one person. But yeah, that was because we had Sanyo TVs hanging in the clubhouse. That's so, a conspiracy theory. So is that no, you win TVs? Kratz, are you the guy that also looks for like the keys to the batter's box and like the box of curveballs, stuff like that? You fall for that one too? No, I never fell for that one. The Sanyo TV, though, it was it was epic because when he was telling me the story, we had a Sanyo TV right in the corner, you know, the aisles. <laughs> Have you seen I, the usual suspects? I mean, you I know, get what like you're saying. Kaiser Soze, and they're like, oh, there's a Sanyo. We'll get Kratz on this one. I don't I, – they, they weren't talking to me. I was, okay. a, ro- I was a rookie in, in camp. They weren't talking <laughs> – no chance. They weren't even looking me in the eye. They wouldn't – No, they knew, they though. They they knew it. They they heard. They knew I had I had ears in the cornfield. My rabbit ears were out. <laughs> That's a conspiracy, though. The the flat screen TVs. That's a just, joke, and Kratz fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Just saying. If Sanyo wants uh, wants to send AJ a new, do they even make screens anymore? Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a, in yeah. a minute. I'm gonna have to look it up for uh, for slap hands. Slap hands time. So I want to do. Um, a few Q&As from fans in tw- uh, the Twitch page and on YouTube. Um, so first off, a little shout out from Doug saying, well, you guys have an online store. I love the logo. Merch soon. Okay. Um, also, uh, we have a question from AJ Pierzynski in our Slack channel. He said, from me? Uh, yeah, he said, is Kratz's hat too big? Oh, yeah. And yeah, you yeah. had your hat sticker rant. So now's your time. First of all, Kratz's hat is like three sizes too big. If you can take your hat and turn it all the way around and it doesn't touch any part of your head, your hat's too big. Yeah. There, see, look, doesn't even make a mark, right? Like, I can't do that on my hat. Like, it hurts. So your hat's too big because you could tuck your ears in your hat too, so your hat is too big. Right? Second of all, Kratz, we, you, were, you were talking about the hat sticker. Look, I also have a sticker on my hat. And so you thought that I was going to blow up Panama because they all had their stickers on their hat? But I like it. Whatever brings you guys together, whatever makes your team excited, you do it. Like right here, me and Kraps, we both have our stickers on our hat. So Panama, you do you. You have a good time. You keep going in the World Baseball Classic. But whatever brings you together, if it's hat stickers, blonde hair, if you're Puerto Rico, go be you and have fun playing baseball. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going to go there. Yeah, you thought I I was going to blow them up, didn't you? Yeah. I liked it. No, I'm, I'm a fan too. Why not? You know, do you. All right, let me get some fan questions in here. Um, D Booker is AJ a Spurs fan or part owner? I wish I was part owner. And I do. My hat is a Tottenham Spurs hat. It looks like a basketball. It is a on the bottom chicken there. on a soccer ball. A chicken on a soccer ball. What's okay. with the the stitching? Looks like a well, it's an old soccer ball. It's from stitching. like when they originally Tottenham uh, first was joined. Uh, I am not a part owner, but Joe Lewis, if you're watching, which I know you're not, but. I'd love to be part owner. Uh, and Well, he'd say, yeah, pony up, and you can be. That's fine. I'm, I'm in. Uh, and two, uh, Champions League game today, Tottenham plays, Milan. They're down 1-0 aggregate. All you people out there watching are like, what the hell is he talking yeah, about? Yeah, what? But it's a baseball show. Basically, Tottenham needs to win 2-0 today at home to advance to the next stage in the Champions League, which is like the largest soccer. It'd be – it's like the WBC. They take the four best teams of every major soccer league play a tournament every year, and if you win, it's like bigger than – it's like winning the World Cup every year. Right. Am I betting on it? Like, what? what's your 
What's your? I'd take Tottenham here? today at home. Tottenham to win money line. Yeah. Connor, you and me. Let's go later. Yeah. All right. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. I'm in. That that'll get me to watch. And then one more. Uh, Pepper in sports. What adjustments do y'all think can Team USA make pitching wise without their big arms, as AJ put it? Quote big arms. Kratz, you, you you take this one. I already kind of ran it on them. They, I mean, I kind of said about what can they, what what adjustments can they make without the big arms would have to be, you know, I I think it's going to come down to you know what do the catchers Will Smith and JT Real Muto what kind of adjustments can they make for those guys because you can say, all right, you know, as, as if Real Muto is out there, all right, I've seen Adam Wainwright. 15 times as a hitter. You know, this is what he has. He might not have that. He might not have that at this point in the season. And I think that communication over these next few days is going to be huge. So the adjustments they have to make are being okay with, ah, you know what, we're not going to get as many strikeouts or in certain situations, hey, how the heck are we going to figure out how to make a, how to get a strikeout here, how to make, Wainwright be able to get to his 50 pitches, you know, or, or whoever's coming out of the bullpen out of, Eno, you know, being able to go two innings, that kind of thing. And I think, I think more of it's going to, going to lean on Pettit and it's going to lean on DeRosa to be able to navigate all the, all the rules and regulations that they've probably been laid down from the MLB clubs themselves. Doesn't hurt to rely on your defense a little more too. But I, no, I listen, they're going to have to play it like a, how quick can we get to the bullpen and who do we have available in the bullpen? And Dero's going to be great with that. I yeah. mean, he's all in on that. No, 100%. But it's not a, it's different than the regular season or even the regular, the, the postseason where starters giving you length are a bigger deal. This is about how many relievers do I have available to give me multiple innings? Because Wainwright will be probably three innings when they have their first game against Great Britain. Hope maybe four if he has a low pitch count. And then who, who can cover the next five innings? And then, you're not getting a lot of multiple inning outings. No, that's what I'm saying. Regular yeah. relievers are going in inning. I doubt. I mean, if I'm a GM, I'm like, cool, yeah. you can go, but Devin Williams, David Bednar, et cetera, it's three outs max or you're coming back home. And a lot of them can't go back-to-back days either. Yeah, so, well, you heard Edwin Diaz for, for Puerto Rico. I mean, he's not going back-to-back. Back. I'm assuming most aren't doing that. That's you know? Nick Martinez. And there's rules with that too. Nick, yeah. Nick will go. Nick will go multiple, and, and I'm assuming yeah. this point in the in the spring training, though, he's maybe not gone more than two. So if he's your multiple guy, like, I don't know. I, I, I think every team's going to run into it. It's not just U.S. Here's what U.S. is going to want to do. They're going to want to run rule teams if they can. Like they're going to yes. Wanna, like they play Great Britain. <laughs> they're going to want to run rule them. I mean. I don't know who's on Great Britain, but I'm assuming. But you're not do- no against Great Britain, yeah. But like you're not doing that later on against like Sandy Alcantara, like no, no. the DR and somebody's. Yeah, you know, good I, luck. No, I agree. Good luck. You know, man. good luck, so. Dero. I can't wait to watch you and Andy Pettit figure this out. Yeah, it's gonna be good, especially as as the and tournament Griff, gets a little Griff deeper. Right here, he's the hitting coach. Wow, your what boy. A, what a yeah. hitting. Your neighbor. What your neighbor? So Griff. I, Griffey, I played with Griffey. I said, Griff, what do you do to hit? He goes, you see the little guy on his bat? And he had his, his swingman logo on his bat. He goes, I just tell that little guy to hit the ball. <laughs> and I'm like, that's your swing thought? He's like, yeah, take the little guy and have him hit the ball. I'm that's like, called you're born with I'm a like, gift. You're just good. <laughs> you're born with a gift, and some get to just smile and go out to the field yeah. and have fun because yep. they're just that naturally talented. Yes. Um, I want to get to Travis Darno, first ever hole-in-one in his life. 
Kratzy, did he break the news publicly or are we breaking it right now? Did he did he text you? How'd you find out? Uh, KP, Kevin Pillar had told me and he also tweeted, well, he tweeted it and then I texted him and he was like, yeah, first one ever. And I, I think a hole in one is like, I'm going to say top three awesome, most awesome sports accomplishments that you can have in your lifetime. And I'm having a tough time thinking of the third one. I think, you know, winning a world championship is really cool, but very few people get to do that. But going to see your team win a world championship, whatever the sport is, I think is really cool. A hole in one, that's like, that's, that's so awesome. Like, I think if I ever get a hole in one, it would be luck. But he said, he said, I asked him, I said, how much video did you have? He has, he's like, no video. I said, uh, maybe it didn't video happen. Or it didn't he happen. Said, nine yeah. people witnessed it. Hmm. Nine people are enough. So that's the line. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, there's one other person. So is that no, all one's not enough? One? One's yeah, not because enough. if you make no. a whole one and no one sees it, does it count? That's always like the golf question, right? Because no, because who can prove it? Yeah, you can't say so you need at least one person to see you hit the ball and it go in the hole. If there's no one there, I mean, heck, you can make a hole in one every time out. No one knows. If you play by yourself, though, are you are you not keeping like like this is part of golf? Like you're keeping honest strokes. Are you giving yourself strokes when you're when you're no. playing golf? No, not when you're playing with yourself. Well, I don't know. Yourself, want to talk sorry. about playing with yourself. Yeah, but. Sorry, by yourself. <laughs> by yourself. Yeah. Hey, speaking of playing, uh, <laughs> the Philly <laughs> fanatic um, had some some issues, some misfires. Um, with his hot dog, um, just didn't have a lot of velocity on it. So I just felt like this was the time to bring it up. Not much exit view on the hot dog uh, uh, cannon. So somebody did not eat well. Um, in the immortal words of Vince Fresso, our old clubhouse guy in Chicago, what happened? <laughs> the Philly Fanatic is the best. But not much the, there. The greatest mascot in baseball. Swing by and a miss. But yeah, you got to get that. You got to get your hot dog fixed. Mm-hmm. Those hot exactly. dogs, though. Those hot dogs. A little shout out. Hatfield hot dogs. They are Hatfield meat products, pork products. They are right down the street from my house. Mm. Did you do a commercial for them? No, no, no. That was turkey bacon. Oh. <laughs> That's for another day that as terrible, well. terrible, by the way. Turkey that was Gotchall's quality meats. That yeah. is actually the best turkey bacon. Believe me, it's I said actually, it in the commercial. I'm not lying. <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best commercial of all time, again, for another show. Lastly, Draymond asked, uh, where's the Todd Father at? Well, the Todd Father works like two, three days a week. So right now, this is where he is. Uh, Look at that drink, Still got those tired. Look at the suntan, the sunburn, I should say. And the tired, the tired Under Armour glasses. <laughs> the perfect highway for the, yeah, the chest it, hair. It, he's rocking the, he's drinking a Miami Vice, by the way. I mean, Godfather, is there, hopefully there's a floater in that thing. Cause those Miami Vice. Oh, there's I mean, definitely just a pure floater. sugar. I know there's definitely oh, a few floaters a in there. Over in a belly. I'm not even jealous though. Cause like right after this show, I mean, I go and work from, from the balcony outside. It's 85 degrees out today for the rest of the show. And. AJ's probably going to coach, right? You got practice. Uh, I got a, my daughter has a beach volleyball. Match exactly. Today, so so uh, life's life's not bad here. Um, again, happy International Women's Day to everyone. We we appreciate all of the amazing women in our lives, and uh, this is a good one. Corbin Burns was fire. We're back on Thursday for more foul territory. Wait, I, I I'm used to getting played off. Play me off. Play me off. Don't forget, subscribe. It's free. Subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube, free. Twitch, whatever you watch, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify.
It's and a gift it, from us. We'll pay for your subscription. Subscribe. Yeah, we're AJ and Kratzy are paying for all the YouTube subscriptions, all thousand so far. Um, oh. The show's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole deal. We appreciate the love, especially for the OG fans. Thursday's big. Stay tuned to the social accounts for who's coming on. See you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.